Thanks, Allie, Susan, and Zia. Good words. Well, we have all ages in our sanctuary this morning and throughout the morning as we're all worshiping together. Uh, We're going to have children and youth and young adults, adults, and the most experienced of adults. And so I want to ask you a question this morning, and so you're going to have to answer it from your perspective at your place and time. Have you ever, or did you ever imagine what you would look like, or what you might really be doing when you will be older or are older? Did you ever have those moments when you just wondered, what will I look like? Who will I be? All those different kinds of of thoughts. I think it's pretty safe to say that most of us have done that. And if you haven't, now that I've mentioned it, you will. You're probably thinking about it right now, depending on where you are in life. Do I really look like I thought I would look like? Am I really like what I thought I would be like? And if you're older, in what ways was it like you imagined, or in other ways, not? Well, when I was young, I had two personal myths I believed about growing up. One... I could choose to be whatever, and I mean whatever, I wanted. At one point, I thought being a monkey sounded like a good option until my parents told me that that wasn't a possibility. I just thought monkeys were cool, and I wanted to be one when I grew up. Two, I thought my parents always kind of looked like my parents, except they were in a squatting position. They just somehow gradually got taller and then stretched out. I had no idea that they looked like kids. I had a weird imagination. Throughout Advent, we are preparing, or we did prepare for the coming of the Savior. We pondered how he came to live among us, and we were reminded that he is 100% God and 100% human, and he knows what it's like to be us. And so in these days after Christmas, we're reflecting on the truth that being human means we must and we should grow. And Jesus was no different than us in our humanness because he too grew. So in today's passage in Luke, we're going to turn there in a minute, we get a little snippet of Jesus after his birth. Luke gives us a few sketches of the 40-day-old Jesus And then he drops a teaser at the end of the passage to let us know what may have happened or or to prime our imagination of what may have happened to Jesus between the ages of 12 and 30. Because the Bible is silent on that piece specifically. So our one thing for this morning, if you forget everything else I said, is that Jesus grew. You go, wow, Doug, that's pretty profound right after Christmas. Well, by giving you a two-word one thing, I'm hoping you remember that Jesus grew and he's, causing, he's calling us to grow. And how will that happen? What does that mean? So if you would, take your Bibles and let's turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. And we're going to begin with verse 22. I'll, I'll put it up here as well, but you may want to have it open so that you can refer back because I'm going to be talking about different pieces of this. Luke 2, 22 to 40. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, 
Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And a sword will pierce your own soul, too. There is also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and she spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Mary, Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth and the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. And then we know that right after that passage, Jesus went to the temple again with his parents at about age 12. And it was there that you you might recall that he spent time talking to the teachers and the priests there. And they were marveling at his wisdom. And remember then Joseph and Mary left and forgot Jesus. And of course, we kind of laugh about how could they forget Jesus, right? But they thought he was with somebody else. So that happened. And then there are two more verses that come at the end of this chapter. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Let's pray. Lord God, you've given us uh, some stories here this morning and some thoughts about what it means to grow. And we know that you chose to came to come to earth to live among us and to be found in human flesh and, and to experience what it means to grow. So, Lord, may we learn something this morning about what you're calling us to do as we grow in our own lives. And may we look to you as our pattern, as our model. Thank you, God. Uh, speak to us now and help us to open our hearts and eyes and ears and everything about us to you. In your name, amen. Jesus grew. How did he grow and why does it matter to us? That's the big question. 
Well, Dr. Luke gives us a prescription here this morning. And it seems to be in two parts. Recognizing that there are givers of growth and there are receivers of growth. First, let's look at the givers of growth. Get a little background here. Forty days following a childbirth, the mother would go to the temple and offer a sacrifice as a part of being purified. She's finished with the childbirth process. They go to the temple to do that. The rich would often take a lamb, but there was an allowance for the poor to take the doves and the pigeons, which is what Joseph and Mary did. So we get a little glimpse into their economic situation. So they went on the six-mile trip from Bethlehem to Jerusalem. And when they walked in the temple, they're greeted by Simeon. Now, we don't know for sure that... I've often thought about, until I studied this passage, I've got to be honest with you, I just assumed that he was a priest. But as I started reading it, it just says, Amen, Simeon. Scholars say he may or may not have been a priest. He walked up to them. And here's what we learn about him. He was righteous, which is a longer way of saying he did what was right. He was devout, which meant he was very faithful to God. He worked hard at being faithful. Whether he was a priest or not, he was very faithful. Thirdly, he was waiting for the consolation. Now that's kind of, I looked at what does that mean? I think in even one of our songs, Come Thou Long, Expect the Jesus, we talk about uh, he is our strength and consolation. Well, what the, a better translation of that would be eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and to rescue Israel. So he knew, he had read those prophets that said, somebody is coming. And so he was reading that and he knew that was going to happen. So he was waiting. And then the fourth thing we find out about Simeon is that he was letting the Holy Spirit lead him. He was available and he listened. And so the words there say he was moved by the Spirit and he walked into the temple courts. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do what was the custom of the law, Simeon walked up to them and took him in his arms. Now, I'm one of these guys when I read stories, I'm trying to imagine, okay, what Joseph and Mary, a man, walks up to them and says, May I hold your baby? Takes him in his arms. That would have been a moment, right? Come on, let's be honest. We read the Bible and just go, oh, well, they should have expected that. I mean, come on. No, not necessarily. Took him in his arms and he praised God and he offered words of encouragement. But he also let them know that Jesus was going to give them a little anguish. And it wasn't about being a teenager or something or, you know, that kind of thing. It was... What he was going to be standing for was going to cause them anguish. And they didn't know for sure what that meant. But they heard those words. And then when he's done, Anna comes along. And she is known as a prophetess, which is somebody who tells the truth about God. We often think of prophets or prophetesses as one who telling the future. Prophet is really actually defined as somebody who tells the truth about God. So she was one who lived in the truth of God. She had that gift of, of telling that message. And Anna, by the way, means the same as the word Hannah. Hannah and Anna were interchangeable names, meaning gracious. She was a very gracious woman. 
Now, some of you uh, who are more experienced adults among us may be a little bit dismayed that 84 is considered very old. Uh, Let me give you some comfort for a moment. Uh, Scholars are kind of debating that, that she could have been a widow for 84 years and actually lived to 105. She would have been about 105 at this point. We don't know. So there's there's that. In any case, she was very experienced. She'd been around for a while, and she knew what was going on. We also find out about Anna that she lived at the temple. And these words that we just read said, well, she never left. But we're not sure on that either. But what we do know is that she most likely spent her waking hours attending and worshiping in the temple. And there were many rooms where people lived. And so she lived there. So she comes up to the couple. She gives thanks to God. And she spoke about the child as one that they were looking forward to rescue Israel. And then we're reminded when I see somebody like Anna, and I'm glad they mentioned her age, because we're reminded that you're never too old to do something significant. You're never too old to have hope and to see what God might be doing. She never ceased to hope. She never ceased to worship. She never ceased to praise. And then if you look at verse 33, what does it say? Joseph and Mary were amazed at what just happened. In the middle of this, we noticed that. Already, remember, they had shepherds come to them unannounced. We read this in hindsight. They didn't know these people were coming. Then we know at some point, we're not quite sure when, but we know it could have taken as many as two years for the the wise men to get there. They show up at the door. Then you've got Simeon. Then you've got Anna, who are saying all of these words. Can you imagine if you're Joseph and Mary? Did they not believe that what they had in their house? Yes, they believed, but were they trying to wrap their mind around all that? You betcha. I love what Max Lucado said. Mary, did you ever wonder or did you ever marvel and say, that's God eating my soup? This was a big deal. And so, in this, we find the first two ingredients of being a giver of growth. And all of us here, no matter what age you are, can start to give other people growth. The first one is... uh, as a giver of growth and as a person receiving that growth is to identify somebody who's happy you're alive and see the potential in you and being that person in the lives of others. How are we being that person that lets somebody else know, I'm happy you're alive and I see potential in you. God is going to bless you. I'm going to take you in my arms. Say, God is going to bless you. And I look at this and I think about children and youth, what it means for them to find some adults in their life. And that's why we have a children's ministry. That's why we have a youth ministry. And that's why we encourage kids to find other parents in their life too, in addition to their own parents. Because other people's parents are always cooler than your own. Uh, But those are good when we find those. Secondly, I see another thing here is inviting others who will commit to dedicating and loving and nurturing you. So as the givers of growth, we want to be those ones who say, I'm, going, I'm in this. I'm in this. I'm going to love this person. I'm going to walk alongside them. I'm going to be their, maybe I'm their godparent. Maybe I'm their uncle or aunt or grandma or grandpa, whoever I am. 
I'm in this. And that's what Joseph and Mary did. That's what Simeon was calling them to do. That's what Anna was calling them to do. Let me stop here for a moment. In this busy world, we need to always be thinking about quantity of time if we're going to be givers of growth. If we're going to truly give, it's like we cannot schedule quality time with people. We've got to say, I'm going to try to be available. And we have needed people to be available in our life. And so as... Uh, Jesus had Simeon and Anna in his life and countless others, I'm sure, in his village. We need to be those people too. And so as God brings people into your life unexpectedly, whatever, whatever time you can give, that's going to be time where you give growth to somebody else. And at the same time as you're giving that growth, identify who's doing that in my life right now. And do I need a few more people doing that? We can give the gift of growth and we can look for the gift of growth. But what does it mean to be on the receiving end? Well, then we get down to verses 40 and 51 and 52. And we get a more complete picture of what it looked like for Jesus to grow and then what it means to grow for ourselves. I had a professor at Greenville College. I'd written one statement uh, imagining what Jesus might have been like between 12 and and 30. And he said... uh, Want a little extra credit? I'd love for you to write a paper on that. What do you think Jesus was like as a teenager? What do you think he was like as a young adult? Wow, okay, all I have is he was obedient. He grew in wisdom, stature, and favor with God and all people. So I had a little fun with that. So let your imagination run wild as I talk about some of these things. The first thing we see is that he went and he was obedient. He performed the duty of a faithful and obedient child and he worked with his dad, Joseph, his earthly dad, Joseph, as a carpenter. Now, when it comes to growing, obedience is one of the most important things we do. And, of course, it is one of the hardest things that we do. It requires a lot of work and a lot of sacrifice. We have to practice it over and over in all types of situations, both reasonable and unreasonable, right? Have those moments. And first and foremost, we're obedient to God. When we obey the great things that God has commanded us to do, and I can think of ten good ones, ten commandments, we are better equipped to obey others. So children that are in this room, I think about how it starts when we're young. If you're a young child... In this room, you can listen at this moment. When we're asked to clean our room or pick up trash or do some other chore, we do it. And when we learn how to do that at a young age, it pays off later on. Youth that are sitting in this room, uh, practicing obedience helps us to make wise choices. We may not always agree with the adult figures in our lives. I know I didn't. But following their advice and requests will protect us in so many great ways and make our lives so much more rewarding than we could have ever imagined. And I know we all look back and go, man, I hate to say it, but my mom was right about that, or my dad was right, or that person. Adults, we have to, too, continue practicing obedience. I would love to think that I'm to a point now where I'm just always obedient. 
That means to supervisors. That means to mentors. That means to significant friends. That means to our spouses and those whom God is using to speak into our lives. Because as we know, practicing obedience makes us all healthier. Jesus did it. We do it. Then the second thing we find out about Jesus is that he grew in wisdom. And a quick review on this. Wisdom is what we do with our knowledge, right? I know lots of people who are really smart, but not always wise. And a prayer for wisdom every day is one of the best prayers that you can pray. Because every day, even if we've done something countless times and we know exactly how it should be done, we all know it takes different twists and turns, doesn't it? And there's those moments you go, wow, I thought I knew how to do this. And God is the one who gives us the wisdom. Jesus was God, and even he grew in wisdom. Notice that? I mean, he is God, but he had to grow in wisdom. Thirdly, grow in stature. Well, this is a little unavoidable, of course. We are going to grow, right? It's going to happen. Some of this we can control, and other parts we can't. We are given some genes, and we're going to have all kinds of body shapes and hair or no hair or too much hair or whatever, all those kinds of things uh, that we just, we just have. But there are things we can control. And, of course, without getting into a lot of details, we know that we can control uh, getting exercise and getting adequate sleep and, and doing healthy and enjoyable eating. There's times to enjoy ourselves, you know, all in, in all of these different things. In addition, of course, to staying away from destructive practices which tear down our body. Jesus had to grow in stature too. I do wonder, you know, what, what was it like to be God? Did he, you know, how, were there foods that he didn't like or did he eat too much of something or, you know, is that a sin? You know, I mean, all, what all, all these different things I think about. Grow in favor with God. Now, it sounds funny to talk about Jesus, who is God, to be growing in favor with himself. How does that work? Well, of course, if you fully understand the mysteries of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, then you're smarter than the, every scholar in the world. And so we don't completely understand that. But we do see in here that the, the 100% human part of Jesus was still in need of growth as we are. They wouldn't have listed it otherwise. Luke understood that piece. His human brain needed time to develop just as ours does. And some of us are at an age where our human brain feels like it's beyond developing and now it's going the other way. And so we have to think of ways and we have to work on ways of keeping that mind and that brain engaged and wrapped around what it means to be following God. To grow in favor with God, of course, is to read our Bibles to learn more about Him to talk with Him, to listen to Him, to humbly serve through our obedience and our love for others. It is then that we feel His favor and blessing. Finally, Jesus had to grow in favor with all people. Um, He took the time to grow in His relationships to others, those whom He created. Can you imagine being Jesus knowing that you had created those people with whom you are gathering with? 
he understood those are people who were humans. And we cannot grow if we cannot love. This is a big thing. If we don't, if we're not obedient, if we're not growing in wisdom and stature and favor with God, and if we can't do this with people, we're not going to grow. That's another piece of it. So this morning as we wrap this up, my challenge is to each of us, as well, while this looks very, in some ways, simple on paper, what's one area of these five here at the end, on the receiving end? They might say, this is an area in 2015, and this is way beyond a New Year's resolution. Those are things you work on for three weeks into January, and then they fall apart and you forget about. We're talking about life here. What's one of these five where you say, God, would you move in me and help me to grow more in you? Just pick one. The, 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 the whole list, it's a little overwhelming. Not that you should be growing in those areas too, but pick one that you might emphasize. And on the giver part, how are you giving growth to other people? And again, I say you're never too young to do that. I talk to boys and girls all the time about being a friend and what it means to help others. And I talk to senior citizens in their 90s who are still giving in their places. We can all do that. So as we close this morning, let's, let's take a few silent moments and think about how God might move us forward in that and let him speak to us.